2: I'm Michael Keegan, your host and managing editor of the Business of Government magazine. While the U.S. Department of Justice has a varied and wide-ranging mission, its core objective is to protect the American people. Information and technology have an important and powerful role to advance, protect, and serve the DOJ mission. Faced with the challenges of increasingly frequent and complex cyber threats and an uncertain budget climate, information technology must adapt and transform, To act efficiently, serve in new roles, and most of all, enable the department's components to focus their time and resources on unique mission-critical activities. What is DOJ's information technology strategy? How is DOJ keeping a pace with transformative IT advances? And what is DOJ doing to build a future-ready workforce? We'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Joe Klimovich, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Justice. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be back, Michael. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Melinda Balthrop. Melinda, welcome as always. Thank you. Joe, what is the mission of the U.S. Department of Justice? And perhaps you can give us a sense of its history.
1: Sure. Uh, the Department of Justice has a, a varied and wide-ranging uh, mission. Its core objective is to protect the uh, American people. The mission falls into four broad areas, uh, law enforcement, investigation, litigation, incarceration. Department of Justice enforces uh, the laws and defends the interests of the United States uh, in accordance with the laws set forth um, by the United States. The Department of Justice um, protects the public from uh, both foreign and uh, domestic threats, and provides federal leadership in uh, prevention of crime, uh, seeks justice for those uh, who are guilty of uh, unlawful behavior, and then ensures a fair administration of uh, justice for all Americans. That's At the core, uh, uh, what we do, the Judiciary Act of uh, 1789 created the Office of the Attorney General, and it was uh, set up as a one-person, part-time position. And the the workload quickly became too much for one person, and so they hired uh, assistants and private attorneys. And then in uh, 1870, uh, that act uh, officially created the Department of Justice and came into existence that is still the, – the 1870 Act is still uh, the foundation of the department as as we uh, operate today. It's essentially the world's largest uh, law firm and uh, central agency for enforcement of federal laws.
2: And, and I'd like to get a scale of the operation you support. So how is the department organized the size of its budget sort of uh, and the number of folks that work there in a geographical footprint?
1: It's led by the attorney general. The department is comprised of uh, approximately 40 separate uh, component organizations. On the federal side, 114,000 employees uh, ensure that the department carries out its individual missions of the components. And we're headquartered headquartered in Washington, D.C., but most of the work occurs in field locations throughout the country and overseas. The uh, department's critical mission is supported by an annual budget of roughly uh, $27 billion.
0: Joe, now that you've provided us with a sense of the larger organization, can you tell us more about your area and specific role? What are your responsibilities and duties as Chief Information Officer at Justice? How is your office organized? And how do your efforts support the department's overall mission?
1: As CIO, um, I provide leadership and oversight of the department's uh, information services and technology uh, programs and support of the overarching uh, department mission. Specifically, I'm responsible for overseeing DOJ's IT resources, delivering IT services to senior leadership and senior management offices, and providing enterprise services uh, across uh, the department, protecting DOJ's uh, information and information systems from uh, data loss or unauthorized access. Then we have uh, uh, engineering and uh, developing and brokering uh, new uh, IT services, and then I also lead uh, things like uh, radio frequency uh, spectrum use, uh, geospatial activities, and interagency law enforcement information sharing uh, activities. The office, there's, there's four uh, staff boxes that uh, report to me, uh, service engineering, service delivery Uh, cybersecurity services, and uh, policy planning and management staff. And in aggregate, uh, there's about 250 uh, federal employees uh, supported by about another 750 contractors. So,
2: Joe, given your portfolio and the mission-critical services you provide DOJ, what are some of your, say, top three challenges you face and how have you sought to address them?
1: Well, I think cybersecurity has to be my number one challenge, as I think it is uh, with most uh, federal CIOs. The cyber attacks are increasing in uh, aggression, sophistication, bypassing a lot of traditional uh, security uh, tools. I'm really focusing on strengthening and making sure that our security posture is as is, is good as it can be to defend against these attacks and protect our sensitive law enforcement, national security, and other government personnel uh, data uh, as well as just helping protect the the integrity of our our mission systems, so that 's our number one challenge. I think the recruiting and retaining highly qualified i t personnel is probably my my second big effort. We are working um, with a, a complex hiring and process and we've we've had a number of years where we had a hiring freeze there's there's uh, gaps in some of these highly technical areas with the private sector terms of pay. And then there's, you know, the difficulty of uh, locating folks with the right skills, sets and the knowledge uh, to really lead a, a transformation and modernization. And the last one i just close with is, is I think we, we have to operate in an uncertain budget climate. And in that uh, uncertain budget climate, I have to continually look to improve the quality of IT services uh, while driving down the cost of those uh, services.
0: Along with the challenges you've described, what you do can also be full of unexpected surprises. What has surprised you most during your time at Justice?
1: Uh, I think I had to say the uh, the level of passion and commitment of the people I work with. I well, with every opportunity, every job that I've had, uh, and I've, I've worked in the intelligence community and defense, and with NOAA, and then now with, with Justice. But they've all been very passionate. But um, it's, it's, it's great to work with people that are extremely passionate and, and uh, committed to the job because it makes it coming to work uh, every day uh, a real joy, real easy. It, it motivates everybody to work hard, and uh, it's just tremendous um, commitment and passion for uh, the work that we do. Uh,
2: Joe, could I ask you a little bit about yourself? Could you tell us about your career path?
1: I started off uh, in the, in the uh, Central Intelligence Agency actually developing optical equations for satellites. Uh, so uh, it's it's been an interesting uh, journey. Many different uh, line and staff positions uh, within uh, the intelligence community, then DOD, and then uh, uh, over to NOAA. People say it was a hard transition, you know, going from a, uh, the national security community to uh, civil. It was, but it was a lot of fun and uh, had a great time there. And so seven and a half years at NOAA and then last uh, year and a couple months uh, with uh, with Justice. So it's been interesting.
2: Would you give us a sense of your leadership uh, approach and management
1: style and maybe who has influenced you in your career? Sure. Well, I've been very fortunate to have uh, uh, a lot of, uh, I would say, great mentors who who uh, gave me their insights. So um, this is how I view things. I think there's a lot of different ways to define uh, leadership. But from my perspective, um, leadership is getting people to follow you and uh, the end is not uh, visible or a positive outcome is not certain. I mean, uh, if either one of those two conditions are, are not there, then it's just, it, to me, it's management, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, leadership style, uh, for the most part, has to be situationally dependent. But I have five basic leadership principles, and I, and I believe that these principles are very important to be an effective leader. First is know yourself, your, your people, and your, your business. Second is uh, set clear goals and priorities and stay focused and very focused. You need to enlist everyone, equip your people, um, and reward the best performers. Uh, I think you need to act and make decisions on facts. And a leader means to make decisions because one of the worst things you can do is not make a decision. And then lastly is demonstrate uh, the highest standards of conduct, integrity, and professionalism because you're always on stage and you must be the example you know, as a leader, you can only control your time. How you spend your time? Do you allocate it to this project, that project? And uh, the former NOAA administrator uh, told me one thing. Uh, we were, had some time at an airport to uh, waiting around for a flight, and he said uh, he tried to spend one third of his time on uh, tactical issues, one third on strategic issues, and one third on the workforce. And uh, that stuck with me, and I I try to do that because in this job, tactical will consume you. It will it essentially, and you need to be able to carve some time up for focusing on the workforce, some time for strategic kinds of issues. My advice, uh, anybody that wants to, to to be out there on the point, is to be a constant learner. Uh, you got to keep abreast of the latest technology advancements and uh, be open to new possibilities, alternatives, and options. Uh, Be sensitive to the culture that you're working in, because as I moved around the federal government, the cultures were were all very different. And that'll be a kind of a pacing function in terms of how much change um, an organization can accept, how fast they can go. And lastly is take risks. Um, The last two jobs that I've taken, I actually did not know anyone. I did not know anyone in NOAA when I applied for that job, and I did not know anybody in the Department of Justice when I applied for the job. And um, if you want to dive right in and... (laughs) see if you can lead. That's a great way to do it. What is DOJ's information technology strategy? We will ask
2: Joe Klemovich, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Justice, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How can DOD improve its acquisition processes? Check out the latest IBM Center report, Eight Actions to Improve Defense Acquisition. The authors emphasize the urgency of acquisition reform in DOD, given budgetary constraints and security challenges, finding that DOD will need to gain every possible efficiency while resisting the temptation to buy defense on the cheap. This report continues the IBM Center's interest in better understanding and improving the federal government acquisition process. Download your free copy at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Joe Klemovich, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Justice. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Melinda Balthrop. So, Joe, um, DOJ, like most federal agencies, but particularly given the critical mission of the Justice Department, views information,
1: data, and technology as strategic assets. um, To that end, would you tell us about your strategic plan? Well, we um, recently developed uh, an information services and technology strategic plan that outlines how we're going to support achievement of uh, DOJ's uh, broader mission. This, this document uh, will guide our organization's initiatives and um, activities for the next three years. And the strategic plan is actually published on our um, open uh, public uh, website under um, Justice Management Division um, Publications and Resources. But the priorities there are um, exceed customer expectations. I don't want to just meet customer expectations, although that may be a necessary precursor. But um, I want to exceed customer expectations, and that means a strong customer engagement, strong um, customer service, and uh, then the operations, and really being able to act as a trusted advisor to our customers. I want to manage taxpayers' money wisely. That's one of the things that I think we're accountable for here. Uh, so that means strong um, accountability, performance, and then greater transparency and, and data-driven um, analysis. I want to constantly be pushing for opportunities to uh, save money, to uh, uh, reduce the, the cost of our, um, our business. I want to enable innovative sharing of services and information, essentially acting as a service broker, building a trusted environment for, for data uh, management and interoperability, and then pro- promoting, um, you know, data and information accessibility to uh, not only with the the private sector and so on, but is is to foster um, better collaboration within the forty plus components within the department. I want to protect our our uh, you know, fourth one is protect our our mission: uh, combating uh, cyber threats, enhancing the uh, identity credential access management, preventing and detecting uh, insider threats, and then being able to apply uh, analytics in, in near real time uh, so that we can uh, react faster. And the last one, but, but not least, is building that future-ready uh, workforce. So how do we attract high-quality, diverse workforce? How do we t- retain and cultivate workforce with the right skills? And then how do we build a culture of engagement and reward uh, innovation? So those are, those are our priorities that are called out in our strategic plan.
2: So as a follow-up, and I know you're out on the circuit, so to speak, with the, the Federal Civilian CIO um, community, but what are the key internal and external drivers and trends that have shaped how you approach your IT uh, mission support?
1: Sure. Um, I would say on the internal drivers, um, one of the biggest things is how do we enable and protect the mission? Uh, both had to provide the services, but also to make sure those services and, and the information are secure. On the external side, uh, rapidly changing technology and and along with that, threats to the mission. So, um, there's, there's a lot of parallelisms there, both on internal and external. The department employees rely on our essential IT services, and those range from uh, you know, mechanisms to enable real-time reporting on important alerts to data storage and enterprise collaboration tools, uh, case management services, and, and support uh, criminal justice uh, really around the globe. Um, we're focused on securing these uh, services, um, but at the same time, um, the department needs to um, evolve and enable innovative ways to, to share information. You know, I think critical to our success in, in this area is, is building a strong foundation of governance mm-hmm. and then um, investing in our workforce to ensure that they're prepared to support the challenges.
0: Joe, you have oversight responsibility for the entire DOJ IT portfolio of over $2 billion annually. Yet, the department's IT mission support function is historically a decentralized, more federated structure. Could you briefly elaborate on the limitations inherent in such an IT management approach? And what are you doing to find the correct balance and ensure that the department benefits in terms of increased security, improved service delivery, and reduced costs, while protecting the component's ability to have direct control over their unique mission solutions?
1: I think in any large uh, complex organization doesn't have to be in the in the federal government um, you know it's important um, that you have a robust governance structure uh, to support collaborative decision making because if if the components do not feel like they have a voice in the decision then they're not going to be as supportive as you need them to be in DOj we've uh, you know really focused a lot on strengthening accountability performance by leveraging and Optimizing existing governance processes. So that's one of the things we, we've done since I've been there is is really look at uh, what structures do we have in place and are they working for us. We have a, a number of executive boards and governance councils which I either chair or serve as a vice chair or participate as a, as a member. Um, an example of um, governance approaches are, you know, we've got a very large data center uh, transformation initiative, and here we're trying to go from... Um, I think we're about forty-five data centers today, down to three core ones by the end of '19, and we're using the the CO Council on Data Center Committee as kind of the executive s- steering group. So, very senior members uh, sit on this uh, committee, you know CFO and, and and other leadership from the components. Um, I think it's very important to have component participation on these committees. So, when I got to DOJ, we looked at the structure of the CO Council, the supporting Committees and could we strengthen that and optimize that? And we we reduce the number of committees substantially. We realign the committees uh, to be consistent with our services model and where we want to take services. And now the committees are, are staffed by subject matter experts, uh, co-led by I think this is a, this is a great idea. Uh, somebody from my staff, one of my staff directors, and also a component CIO, so that it's not one or the other. It's it's, it's a team uh, effort. And um, I want the committees to all the issues and all the decision-making to go through the committees, but they don't make the final decision. They bring it to the CIO Council for, for decision-making. And I think this is important. Essentially, the components get at least – they get help in shaping the decision and then um, approving it at the end. And I mean, this has been operating for uh, a year now, and it's, I think it's been working very well. We've got committees that uh, cover the, the gambit. We found that we had a um, kind of a hole in, in terms of looking at all the investments, and so in re-looking at this um, to make sure that we had the proper oversight over critical IT investments, uh, we created a department uh, investment review council, and here we're we're trying to provide uh, oversight, risk reduction, and assistance um, in the successful delivery of of key uh, IT programs and investments. Joe,
2: I'd like to talk to you about the. Um department-wide efforts around uh, pursuing shared services and technology. Would you tell us a little bit about that effort and the benefits derived? Which services are being shared and by whom? And can you describe DOJ's governance process for managing the shared services environment?
1: Um, well, first off, I'm a big believer in uh, shared services. I, I led the, the federal effort for a number of years in this area, um, and I think, as if you look at the pressure to deliver greater and, and more cost-effective uh, IT uh, capabilities to end users, it really underscores the importance of uh, driving uh, shared services because shared services um, present the best opportunity to to do all those things: improve the quality, reduce the cost, uh, and ensure that they're they're secure. In partnership with component uh, bureaus, uh, DOJ is is uh, executing our, our goals and objectives in a way that. Not only um, optimizes uh, our spend but also improves our capabilities and my uh, My strategy is to leverage shared services is a de facto way of doing business we're inclusive in our search for better services we want to learn from others and I spent a lot of time uh, working and learning from industry uh, but from other government agencies as well as you know who's who's out there really pushing this the one thing we did create in in, um, in our service engineering. Organization, uh, a ser- strong service broker uh, function. It's bigger than just service brokering in any one aspect, but they uh, act as a trusted advisor and as a capabilities enabler for delivery of efficient and effective services across the enterprise. I also, um, uh, within the last year, uh, published our first IT shared services catalog. So nobody can use a shared service if they don't know it exists. So I'm actually you know, quite uh, proud of, of where we've taken our, our shared um, uh, services catalog. We're issuing updates every quarter to it. It's on our intranet. And by the end of the year, uh, we'll actually have some services that you'll actually be able to order online. So you go to the, the catalog online. You can actually put in your request online. And I think that I want to piggyback on where industry's going with this, the retail space and actually make it as easy for, for people to purchase services from, uh, you know, central central provisioning from across the the uh, department uh, any place. I don't expect that um, I need to provide all shared services. i am actually been a, a big believer that the components uh, can provide shared services as well. But I do think that uh, they need to be visible, and I expect that our our catalog will continue expanding as we uh, add new services as we work in partnership uh, to understand the demand and uh, types of services that are are needed and also the offerings that uh, some of the components uh, can make available. You know, so I'm com- committed to this uh, enterprise shared services model where we've, if you think about it more as, you know, portfolios, like how many how many systems do we have in a certain area mm-hmm. and how do we move from sy- stovepipe systems to uh, shared services in that area that, that are interoperable, that are operating against a, a base um, infrastructure, commodity IT infrastructure. And I think that uh, what, you know, the enterprise-wide IT services operating model uh, supports our um, law enforcement investigation, litigation, incarceration, uh, stewardship model and business um, so that everybody can have the right services. And I think, is again, this allows us really to take advantage of economies of scale and consistency of performance. If you haven't got it by now, I'm a huge believer in shared services. I think it has to be the de facto way of operating in today's uh, climate.
2: And I know you earlier you mentioned uh, the data center consolidation effort that you're doing. But one thing I wanted to follow up on is uh, what's next in that area?
1: Well, I think for us, data center uh, consolidation, transformation, it's a lot about transformation and security. We have a lot of data centers uh, right now. We we started – we like think 110 back in 2010. So we've closed uh, 66 or, or more. But uh, it'll strengthen our security posture by being able to consolidate uh, that footprint. We want to optimize our our data center infrastructure and our information and our services. And it's going to be a multi-year transformation. So we want to get to by the end of 2019 is uh, go from our current about 45 to three enterprise data centers. That are actually operated by the components not operated by by my staff we want to leverage commercial cloud services where we're optimal but we've also a bit of a constraint about half of our systems are either classified systems or FISma high impact systems so uh, we've we know we've got to have our own organic uh, data center capability we made good progress uh, long before data center consolidation was was cool so we just need to keep going on that. In FY15, we uh, our plan called for closing 15 data centers. Um, we've already closed 12 of those data centers, three more in process, so we're on target for closing the 15 in 15. Again, as I as I say, we when we consolidate that footprint, we have a better sense as to you know, our applications and our, our databases, and I think it does st- strengthen our security uh, posture. The other thing is having... Um, Uh, three core facilities, improves our business continuity and disaster recovery uh, posture, uh, provides more flexibility for rapidly um, expanding, more agility in terms of going after new uh, uh, solutions. Uh, And our pool of technical resources and workforce, um, uh, it, it optimizes how we deploy and how we use that workforce.
2: How is DOJ keeping a pace with transformative IT advances? We will ask Joe Klimovich, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Justice, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. Government leaders and managers face major challenges today, including fiscal austerity, citizen expectation, the pace of technology and innovation, and a new role for governance. These challenges influence how government executives lead today, but more importantly, how they can be prepared for tomorrow. The IBM Center Report, Six Trends Driving Change in Government, offers a path forward for government executives responding to the ever increasing complexity and challenges they face today. Download your free copy at BusinessOfGovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Joe Klemovich. Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Justice. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Melinda Balthrop.
0: While there have been great strides in information sharing, we understand there is more to be done. Would you tell us more about your efforts to expand information sharing? How are you driving collaboration internally and with the broader law enforcement community? And what is being done to work with the community to develop and use information sharing standards?
1: Well, I think in our new strategic plan that we just published, One of my strategic goals is to enable innovative sharing of services and information. From my perspective, the department's uh, data and information is a national asset, and it's crucial to the successful execution of the overall mission. Sharing information compounds its value, allows new uses and insights, and furthermore, the data that is shared with the public uh, has potential to uh, spur uh, economic growth and innovation. Now we need to Balance the the sharing of information with uh, you know protecting uh, privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. And I've served in several CO positions, uh, senior CO positions. Is that information's in your title? And I know that it may be uh, cool and easier to focus on the technology aspect, but I, I'm always reminded that uh, you're the chief information officer, and uh, I recognize that we 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 need to do more uh, in this area. and i have focused a lot on um, improving um the you know the sharing of information with uh, law enforcement components within the the department and with our federal state local tribal and international partners i think the information uh, sharing challenges that the department face so exceed the ability of any one component there are a lot of challenges a lot of issues out there that need to be worked through and i f- find that a lot of the information sharing challenges are um, primarily not technical in nature. Uh, there are many other things that contribute. I think it's important that, um, you know, that we get the department to work and treat information as a shared, uh, you know, resource um, and, and treat information from a holistic perspective rather than a collection of uh, disparate, you know, unconnected systems. We've got pockets of excellence in, in areas where we can do a lot better. I want to make sure that um, we're committed to uh, Sharing as a standard uh, operating, you know, procedure, standard way of doing business. Spent a lot of time working with uh, the department and component uh, leaders, trying to lay out plans to improve uh, the technical side of things, and also to coordinate uh, policies so we can again improve on that aspect. How do we work this? We under the CO Council, uh, the DOJ CO Council, we've got a governance committee. Uh, there. Uh, actively creating a data architecture and management strategy that optimizes our sharing uh, and understanding of our data assets. We have lots of standards that we're we're trying to work in a community-driven fashion. Uh, One of them is um, uh, the National Information Exchange Model, NIEM, uh, is a community-driven standards-based approach. Um, And DOJ, this this standard started in in DOJ, and then there's our... um, You know, implementation of that is is something called logical identity or identity exchange specification. And this is pretty broadly used right now um, by uh, some of our systems. Again, it's gaining in popularity, but we want to make sure that as these um, standards evolve, that they evolve in concert with industry and with our business partners, and uh, we establish a, a collaborative effort to advance these standards adding new features and capabilities.
2: So, Joe, talking about the federal CIO community, uh, I've had the pleasure uh, of uh, talking to federal CIOs about the passage and enactment of the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act, or FITARA, which everybody talks about now. Would you give us uh, the high points of the law? And uh, where are you implementing the provisions of the law? And... um, you have mentioned that uh, maybe the speed or level of implementation could be a bit uneven.
1: Uh, what do you mean by that? Sure let me, let me start off with your first question I guess is the high points. Um, Fatara uh, strengthens the CO's responsibility and accountability for, for agency IT programs um, and I think this clear Cohen back in '96 uh, really tried to get at this but Fatara uh, takes it to another level. So the high points, the uh, must uh, have a significant role in, in decision processes for IT resources, both in planning, programming, budgeting, and the execution. The CIO must approve um, agency IT budget requests. The uh, CIO must uh, be involved in the management, governance, and oversight of IT programs. The CIO must uh, monitor uh, performance of IT programs and advise agency heads uh, whether the program should be uh, continued or modified or terminated. CO must uh, review and approve IT acquisitions, must uh, review and approve uh, reprogramming uh, actions, must approve the appointment of component COs or IT directors, and then lastly, must uh, be involved in uh, performance assessment of these uh, component uh, CIOs or IT directors. Look, from my perspective, um, Fatar is a great opportunity for CIOs to, to really, it really solves a lot of the highest level challenges uh, in the federal IT space. You know, it increases uh, responsibility and accountability. It gives the CIOs the tools that we need to uh, drive real innovation and realize uh, efficiencies. However, um, the os really now are being forced to take ownership of their IT portfolios. I mean, there's no—you uh, have an issue in your department, and you can't say, "I didn't know about it," and or what's going on there. So, um, it does achieve, I think, that aspect and. And so the CEOs really need to step up and, and take uh, responsibility. Where we are in implementing it, um, started planning uh, as soon as uh, the, the bill was uh, passed, is that uh, we conducted a gap analysis. And I think this is a logical first step for, for a lot of uh, things that come out. And we want to take advantage of existing uh, processes and governance structures and build on them, uh, tweak them, optimize them as, as needed. And our assessment indicates that in in a lot of areas, um, such as IT resource planning, uh, we're close to meeting the baseline requirements as defined by um, OMB. And uh, in other areas, such as acquisition review, uh, I think we've got to strengthen our accountability and performance uh, by, again, leveraging processes like um, our uh, Department of Investment Review Council. And we also have a a process that um, has been in existence, uh, I think, since 2012, which is something called intake, and it's uh, all IT acquisitions need to go through this process. And it's an electronic uh, approval process where both the acquisition community and the IT community get to review and approve IT um, acquisitions. And so not everything goes through there, but we want to make sure that um, everything does go through there. And then we need to make sure that we've got staff in place to um, expeditiously um, review and, um, and make decisions on on those uh, acquisitions. We don't want to, you know, I think Fortara can't be a, uh, a holdup. It can't be a bottleneck for acquisitions. Um, so you need to figure out how to do this um, implementation at speed. You asked about the unevenness. Um, yeah, I do think that due to the differences in size and complexity of the various agencies that each agency uh, by its very nature are going to be maybe at different stages in implementation. Departments are going to Gravitate to leveraging off their existing uh, governance processes uh, to assist in managing uh, the the requirements in the law. And I expect smaller agencies are going to be able to move much faster in implementing Fortara. Um, in fact, some of the smaller uh, departments or agencies may already be there 100 percent. The larger agencies, it's going to be more difficult. Um, within the uh, Department of Justice, uh, we process almost 40,000 contract actions annually. And that's a, that's a lot. So to me, governance is going to be key, and um, any one of those could be significant. So uh, how do you get the visibility you need, but figure out how to manage your time wisely?
0: Uh, Joe, the department must constantly look to streamline existing systems and applications to ensure they remain effective and efficient, while also providing new capabilities to customers. Would you tell us more about your efforts to streamline IT operations to better serve customers? To what extent are you deploying enterprise solutions that reduce costs and improve efficiency?
1: Streamlining IT operations. One thing we're we're doing, and as I mentioned this earlier, the service broker to to me is key that they act as a a trusted advisor and advocate for the customers. Um, They need to facilitate transactions, uh, whether it be professional services or enabler of uh, delivery of efficient and effective uh, services across the enterprise. So, Really being able to function um, in the delivery of concurrent management of multiple solutions, vendors, and services. So I, d- I don't care whether I provide the service, um, and another component within Justice provides the service, another government agency provides the service, or we get the service from industry. I think the the key here is that um, if we're really going to be efficient in our, in our um, IT um, service deliveries, we've got to partner with the best services out there. Now, within my own organization, um, I've consolidated our service uh, delivery um, responsibilities under one staff. So when I came in there, I I tweaked the organization. I realized I had several um, different boxes uh, delivering services to the customer, and I wanted uh, one uh, service delivery staff, and we have that now. And again, to streamline operations, uh, create greater efficiencies and increase accountability, Allows us to take advantage of a full range of technologies uh, and and leverage our buying power, and provides visibility across the entire enterprise to ensure uninterrupted uh, IT services and, and and delivery. In all the the new structure uh, makes us better prepared to meet um, and exceed uh, customer expectations. To to the extent that you know we're, we're deploying uh, enterprise solutions uh, again, as I mentioned. Shared services uh, needs to be the de facto way that we deliver IT, and I'm you know, incredibly committed to uh, enterprise solutions, and we want to learn from others. Uh, I know that there's a lot of uh, corporations that are uh, really uh, pushing the envelope in terms of uh, shared services models, and I've been trying to meet with uh, those uh, industry leaders. Again, pushing uh, government-wide and enterprise contracting vehicles to ensure that uh, yeah, you know, we we have this strategic sourcing from the best uh, out there, and uh, it's great to see what GSA is is doing. And we've been certainly been tracking that one, but uh, we want to make sure that our contracts are efficient and effective.
2: So, Joe, you mentioned as one of your main challenges is protecting the DOJ and component networks from cyber threats and adversaries. Uh, would you tell us how you are enhancing? IT security across the enterprise, institutionalizing appropriate policies and risk-based approach. And can you share perhaps some of the lessons learned from the recent OPM data breach?
1: Sure. Well, let me um, talk about our program first. Um, I think we've got a centralized uh, program within the department um, that spans uh, three um, data uh, classification networks. So we we have to work on on three different classification levels. But we, it's it's a I would say a fairly mature um, IT uh, security program that's, we have comprehensive policies and procedures to uh, address a full range of security considerations. It's built on three uh, pillars uh, that form the foundation of our our program. One is the JSOC, or the Justice Security uh, Operations Center. Uh, This is providing 24 by 7 network uh, monitoring and incident response management services. Second one is information uh, systems continuous monitoring. That's very important. Again, uh, we're looking to implement advanced security technologies um, across the enterprise for near real-time situational awareness. Uh, Last one is information assurance, delivering support on our uh, uh, system security authorization, policies, guidance, uh, audit compliance. Uh, These are all very important aspects. And we work very closely with our component CIOs and CISOs to ensure alignment, uh, with uh, our strategy and operational plans. The uh, IT security um, investment decisions and implementation plans are developed in, in concert with the component COs and CISOs through um, our IT security uh, committee uh, operating under the DOJ CO Council. We have um, increased the uh, uh, detection, accuracy, response speed, resolution, precision, by enhancing our intrusion detection capabilities uh, with uh, automated capabilities, further we're we're applying um, you know advanced data analytics to um, provide sensitized sensitized near real time view of the enterprise risk. I think this is incredibly important. We're also making that information um, available to all the components. Uh, initially, when I got there, I was going out to each individual component, and I said, no, let's let's share it with everybody because." Those that are not where they need to be or want to be, they can learn from those who have a stronger risk, you know, position. We want to build a strong uh, foundation, unified foundation for identity uh, management. That's key uh, to secure our systems and our information. We're working to prevent and detect insider uh, threats um, uh, through uh, an evolution, um, you know, into a department-wide insider threat program, consistent um, you know mitigation strategy and resources to uh, uh, understand uh, what's going on uh, from an insider perspective we're also leveraging um, uh, Department of homeland security's continuous diagnostic and uh, mitigation uh, program it's a great program and we are uh, buying a lot of services off of that program again we're looking to achieve uh, the most significant you know cost effective solutions out there. Uh, we're driving uh, two-factor authentication for both privileged and uh, general user access. This is, you know, incredibly important. Again, scanning on a regular basis, uh, protecting our high-value uh, uh, data assets are, you know, something we're putting a lot of effort into. And, and and um, again, doing all these things uh, requires uh, investments. So we uh, – this is a kind of a growth area from from my perspective. Um, we've identified additional short-term investments Um in terms of being able to um, enhance our perimeter defense, greater uh, capabilities on on the uh, perimeter. Also, you know, we know that there's advanced uh, forensic analytics capabilities that we can you know, take advantage of, and we're, we're, we're um, pursuing those. You asked us about the OPM uh, breach. You know, DOJ's leadership has been um, highly engaged uh, with both OPM and OMB. During this uh, data breach, uh, to understand the the impact to current and former um, DOJ uh, personnel, and also to understand what uh, o- OPM is doing um, to prevent this kind of uh, loss from happening again, we're aggressively implementing uh, OMB cyber sprint actions. Uh, I think we talked about some of those earlier. Those are key, and uh, they need to be implemented across the board. Cybersecurity remains my number one challenge, number one priority. And from my perspective, the OPM uh, incident just reinforces uh, that belief that uh, it needs to remain my number one priority.
0: Um, As you know, we live in a very mobile world. Um, How are you leveraging mobility solutions to meet the evolving mission of the department? How and in what areas are you expanding enterprise mobility services?
1: Uh, In the Department of Justice, we have a very mobile uh, workforce. Uh, A lot of facilities, and as I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of field offices. Uh, So our, our employees are, are out there moving about, and we need to provide solutions to support their needs. We also have, you know, we need to support our, our customers uh, external to DOJ, who are also very mobile and expect mobile solutions. I would say, from my perspective, that we're about halfway where we need to be on uh, mobility, and um, that's a very uh, rough uh, <laughs> guesstimate. And you know, we've been really focusing on uh, deploying smartphones. Uh, to date, uh, we've deployed a approximately 40,000 Android devices and 30,000 uh, Apple devices, uh, this, you know, reflects a fairly significant uh, transformation of where we were just a few years ago. FBI's um, Android uh, mobility program has gotten a lot of press. Uh, is out there. But they've deployed 30,000 um, uh, Samsung uh, devices. And they're now focused on enabling uh, the mission through um, enhancing the user experience. And you know, to me, a smartphone is not just an administrative um, device, but it's a, it's an also an investigative tool for, for operational agents and analysts and professional staff moving about. And I know the FBI has they've launched uh, like a shark tank uh, approach to um, prioritizing new ideas for mobile apps and uh, ultimately uh, being able to develop these apps in a more agile approach. From a shared services perspective, uh, one of our biggest successes is in um, a common mobile device management platform that uh, is used by about half of our components and um, manages a significant number of those mobile devices. And I think in another um, area around mobility is wanting to get greater um, integration with our um, desktops, tablets.
0: Would you elaborate on your approach to empowering your employees and driving change within your teams? What actions are you taking today to build a future-ready workforce that you talked about earlier at DOJ? And what do you see as the greatest skills gaps and needs of the current workforce?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked about the, the workforce because, um, you know, it is a, it is a challenge. And um, I think it's a challenge from several perspectives. First, we're competing with industry and other federal agencies to attract uh, the top talent. Secondly, our, our Workforce. Our current workforce needs to uh, evolve and gain uh, skills in, in these critical technologies uh, of the future. And third is that uh, you know, when you look at the the metrics, we've got um, a significant part of our IT workforce who can retire, or they can they're about to you know be eligible to retire. And so succession planning and um, and being able to quickly um, replace uh, those that leave is those are some of the challenges that I see at the at the macro level. I'm committed to uh, building a a work environment that attracts top talent uh, from universities and market-leading corporations. I want to also make sure we retain um, the existing workforce we have through uh, participations in mentoring programs, job sharing, exchange. I've actually been able to successfully work several uh, job exchange uh, trades, if you will, uh, within the department on IT workforce. I think it's important, especially as you move up in the organization, uh, you're going to gain more of your um, your skill sets from moving around to different jobs uh, than necessarily going to a, a, a technical
2: class. How is the chief information officer role evolving within the federal government? We will ask the Department of Justice's chief information officer, Joe Klimovich, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. In a world inundated with all kinds of information, timely, relevant, and more predictive data can drive better decision-making. Law enforcement agencies are at the forefront in leveraging data and using innovative software to generate predictions that help police prevent crime. What is predictive policing? How can using analytics make us safer? Check out the IBM Center Report, Predictive Policing, Preventing Crime with Data and Analytics by Jen Bochner, and find out. Download your free copy at businessofgovernment.org. What do agency leaders need to know about the federal acquisition process? What are some of the key federal procurement trends? And how can agency leaders overcome today's acquisition challenges? Check out the new center report, A Guide for Agency Leaders on Federal Acquisition, by Trevor Brown and find out. The report offers practical recommendations for improving federal acquisition. Download your free copy of A Guide for Agency Leaders on Federal Acquisition at businessofgovernment.org and find out how the business of government is not business as usual. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Joe Klimovich, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Justice. Also joining our conversation from IBM is Melinda Balthrop. How are you leveraging partnerships and collaboration to improve operation, achieve program outcomes, and uh, execute your mission?
1: Well, I'm always interested in forming um, appropriate uh, collaborations and you know with with the private sector. I believe that uh, we can learn an awful lot from uh, industry. Um, I believe uh, our efforts with uh, US Digital Services represents a, a new way for DOJ to leverage that uh, you know expertise uh, that exists outside the department uh, within. You know, as I noted earlier, you know, a lot of our standards work is based upon uh, collaboration with industry uh, implementers and um, international and state and local um, uh, users' systems. Uh, I think you just can't collaborate enough. And, you know, one one thing that uh, I've done since I've been here is uh, Luke McCormick, uh, yes. the uh, DHS CO, I spent some time in, in justice as uh, CO of my position. And, um, you know, I think that um, the, the two missions uh, have a lot in common uh, between DHS and DOJ and uh, recognize that we could uh, have a... A stronger collaboration between uh, departments, which uh, you know share uh, uh, a lot of the same missions and and drive more effectively drive innovation and uh, cost-effective uh, technical solutions. So, so we did uh, have a meeting of the you know two uh, groups of CIOs, um, and we're going to try to try to do that again. I think it's important that we um, you know we collaborate uh, not only with industry but also with other government agencies, and uh, this was a a little broader, but what we're trying to do there is um, you know, identify um, best practices, exchange information, and how we can do things more efficiently, what solutions can be reused. And I think, um, going back to you, you can't take advantage of things you don't know, mm-hmm. you need to take first steps. And one of the things I've been trying to do is, is get out to Silicon Valley uh, about twice a year, and uh, uh, I have done that on a regular basis, meeting with uh, top leaders out there, uh, I've actually gone to uh, New York City a couple times to meet with the uh, uh, financial sector CIOs. The good thing about CIOs is that it, uh, most corporations have one. And uh, if you try to work through that, uh, you can uh, you, what's working, what's not, what are your challenges, what are you doing about it? I've also met with uh, tribal leadership uh, in, in a couple of cases to understand um, the unique challenges that they face gaining access to uh, national criminal information. I spent a couple of days down on the border in Texas, um, understanding the challenges that both uh, DOJ and DHS uh, face. Again, visiting some some federal prisons to understand the unique challenges there. I participated in several f- uh, federal advisory committees, uh, FACAs. Again, just it's a wealth of information out there. And I also spent uh, a good bit of time visiting um, uh, with uh, our uh, U.S. attorney offices in the, in the, uh, in the field, um, it takes time. Uh, a lot of red-eye flights back, um, you know. But it's it's invaluable learning that you know firsthand um, what challenges do they face, um, what opportunities can you bring to improve their uh, ability to execute the mission.
2: Joe, throughout the conversation, you've kind of hinted or uh, sort of elaborated a little bit on the evolving nature of the chief information officer in the federal context. And given the critical role of information and technology and uh, what it plays in mission delivery, how has the role of CIO um, evolved and to a trusted business advisor? And what are the characteristics of a successful CIO?
1: I think um, the technology is, is evolving um, on its own. And as the technology evolves, I think the role of the CIO has to evolve with it Not to say that it's totally being driven by the technology, but that's a huge uh, play in this. And I think, you know, we've seen a pretty uh, drastic uh, change in the role COs have played in uh, in the last couple of years. I I would characterize it as basically uh, from a service provider uh, to a a broker of services. For many years, uh, we were really focused on building and creating our our own IT and and that was a big thing, being able to touch the servers and, and play with the, the IT. Now it's about buying the IT and making sure that you've got all everything you know checked from a cyber perspective. It also allows the CO and the CO role needs to shift into being more of a strategic advisor. How can IT and information really propel and enable the the overall mission of the organization? That's, that's the key aspect that a CO needs to be focusing on, how to effectively use this technology and information to uh, propel the mission.
0: Joe, what emerging technologies hold the promise for helping you achieve your priorities? And are, and are there any important accomplishments that you'd like to highlight in terms of improving government-wide use of IT in pursuit of innovation?
1: Yeah, we have several um, facility consolidations already underway, and, uh, and we're about to embark on some technology refreshes over the next two years. Um, and it, so we're looking at technologies that really uh, highlight the capabilities uh, at the end user or for the end user and something, you know, the office of the future. I mean, that what what is that going to look like in the next uh, two years as we we're talking about technology rapidly changing? Um, and so how can we leverage uh, best of breed productivity tools while focusing on individual missions and needs? In July, we, we released an RFI um, to get comments uh, on uh, Department of Justice's virtual office. And Included in this, this RFI, uh, Request for Information, was desktop as a service. You know, who's, who's providing it? How close is it to reality? Uh, virtualized workspaces, um, bring your own device to work, unified communications, mobility, and wearables. So a very broad RFI, but I'm looking to get a sense as to where industry thinks uh, this, this whole workspace of the future uh, is going. Given the fact that uh, we're in a a data-centric environment, um, some of the emerging technologies uh, that I think are important here is is, uh, greater network uh, uh, capabilities uh, to include greater Wi-Fi capabilities and and uh, 100-gig Ethernet, Uh, greater memory and storage densities uh, are going to be key, and obviously security enhancements such as uh, uh, micro-virtualization, which is uh, application level isolation from the operating system and micro segmentation, breaking apart um, our data from, uh, you know, into secure chunks. Those are two, you know, technologies that I'm very uh, uh, interested in as we move forward. As I mentioned earlier, we've got uh, several, you know, big cloud initiatives out there and we want to uh, be able to take advantage of those, but how do we uh, do so uh, in a secure manner? So the department has been a leader in advocating. Um, for the TIC overlay, and, and the overlay, um, you know, this this would allow us to leverage you know, the full benefits of the cloud service uh, providers without compromising on the, the cybersecurity benefits of the trusted internet connection. So essentially um, implementing TIC, uh, trusted internet connection, security requirements at the cloud service provider, and uh, proud to and happy to report that we've been making a lot of progress in this area. I'm going to continue meeting with industry uh, leaders as time allows to um, you know hear about uh, the work they're doing and uh, their perspectives uh, we've also established a vendor management office it's up and running it's fairly small at this point but um, you know they're they're meeting uh, with um, industry uh, you know to determine their capabilities and the value to DOJ and making that connection um, I, I I can only work twenty-four hours a day, so uh, get a little bit of help here. But uh, they're they're at uh, oco management all one word at us uh, doj dot gov, and that's probably the best way to reach out to them. But um, we want to understand uh, what's what's occurring out there in the in the private sector and uh, take advantage of those opportunities. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Joe, I'd like to ask you for some advice, if I could. Um, what advice would you give someone? who's considering a career in public service?
1: Well, I've, I've, I've been serving, I don't know, probably 32 years. I, haven't, I don't know. I haven't counted it recently. But, uh, uh, you know, I would highly recommend a career in public service. I think that uh, this country needs uh, great public servants. And, uh, you know, the decisions you make uh, every day uh, can have such a significant impact on many, many citizens uh, every day. And, uh, I think it's it's just um it's a great career um, long hours um, and does require passion dedication commitment but um, you can have tremendous impact um, and it, it, the country uh, needs uh, great public servants uh, today so i you know I think it, I would highly recommend it well Joe i want to thank you for coming back to the show. Uh, it was a great conversation
2: today and Uh, Our previous conversation as well. But more importantly, uh, Melinda and I would like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country.
1: Uh, uh, Thank you. And uh, again, it's been a pleasure being here, and I really appreciate all the time that uh, you've given me. Thank you.
2: This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Joe Klimovich, Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Department of Justice. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in depth conversation on improving government effectiveness. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan. Thanks for joining us.
1: This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org. What are the key priorities for CMS's Center for Program Integrity? How is it moving beyond the pay-and-chase approach to combating fraud, waste, and abuse? What innovative technologies is it using? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Dr. Shantanu Agrawal, Deputy Administrator and Director, Center for Program Integrity at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Tune in Mondays at 11
0: a.m. for the Business of Government Hour on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m.